Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Streak for the Pod. Today we're going to go over the big days of NFL free agency, huge news about Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown being traded, and we'll give some of our winners and losers from free agency. You can find us on Instagram, at Streak for the Pod, and if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. We love your feedback because it helps us be better as a podcast. So today, I'm joined by Vic and Abhijay. What's up, guys? How's it going? What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, what's up? Damn, Abhijay, talk a little louder, bro. You don't seem, seem excited enough for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my voice doesn't reflect it, but I'm pretty excited about free agency, so let's get it going. Yes, sir. So the first big trade that went down uh, uh, in NFL free agency was the Antonio Brown trade to the Oakland Raiders. Uh, initially, I was shocked by how little the Raiders had to trade away for him, but I want to hear what your guys' first thoughts were on this trade. So, Vic, you can start. What do you think, man? Yeah, I will echo that sentiment. I think the Steelers, I really wouldn't, I'm interested in knowing what offers they were feeling when they were trying to figure out who to trade him to, but yeah, I think they could have, they should have gotten a first round pick at the very least from whichever team they traded it to him to. And I think they came out of that trade, you know, in the negative. So it'll be interesting to see how their offense unfolds this upcoming season as a result. Yeah. What do you think, Abijay? Yeah. You know, I, I think the Raiders absolutely fleeced the Steelers. They got yeah. AB for basically a, a third and a fifth. Of course, they had to pay him extra with the uh the uh the new contract that they redid for him but i mean overall for the raiders that's a huge bonus because really that's that's probably going to be car's best weapon he's had in in his entire career and you look at the impact it's going to have on the steelers offense like yeah you still have juju smith schuster but antonio brown took up double coverages on every single passing down so we don't really know. We don't have any evidence on how Juju Schuster is going to do with the double coverage. So I don't know. There's a lot of questions about how the Steelers are going to go forward. Yeah. Even like, you know, remember when the Patriots played the Steelers, like JC Jackson, you know, he, he shut down Juju pretty well in that game. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see um, what happens to the Steelers. But if you're looking at it from the Raiders side, I mean, they've been pretty active in free agency. They uh, traded... Uh, clutch Yosemite, um just to swap a, a fifth round to a fourth rounder for the Jets. He was kind of more of a cap casualty. Uh, they signed Trent Brown and made him the highest paid O-lineman in history. Uh, if you guys remember, he was on the Patriots last year uh, and got a one-year deal. They then signed LaMarcus Joyner as well, uh, four years, $42 million. Uh, he's kind of a shorter safety, but we'll get into that. And then they got Tyrell Williams as well to pair with Antonio Brown. And then they cut Jordy Nelson. So overall, what do you guys think about the Raiders' offense next year with uh, the Brown trade and then the signing of Trent Brown and the signing of Tyrell Williams? Uh, do you guys how, – how much – it's obviously going to be improved because last year the offense was pathetic, so there's nowhere to go but up anyway. But how much do you think it will improve next year? I think it really will show us um, how good Derek Carr really is. I think if they succeed, I think it'll be a testament to his ability to mesh with two new receivers and develop chemistry that will, you know, prove his mettle as a quarterback, especially if he has a good season and the offense does well. But I don't know. I honestly can't really tell. I hope they do well. It'd be cool to see a pretty solid offense with Tyra Williams stretching the field and AB, you know, dicing up secondaries left and right but i think it'll be i think a lot of pressure is on car to deliver this season and we'll see if it happens how about you abhijay what do you think man you know i mean i feel like the ab edition alone should get the offense maybe five six spots above what they were last year in terms of like pure production on the field uh of course this year is pretty big for car because you know, there's some questions going into this, into even last season about Carr's future and viability as a starting quarterback. So I think this year is a pretty big litmus test 
like if you can't get it done with AB and a revamped offensive line, then when will you ever get it done? They might have to move on and select a guy in the uh, the first round. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty interesting to see how the Raiders' offense does. Uh, last year, they were 28th in the NFL in points per game. So I think this year, they're definitely going to jump to at least average. Um, I see them being kind of, you know, maybe 13th or 14th in points per game. Uh, I think it'll definitely be... Um, it, it'll definitely they'll, it'll take time to develop chemistry with new receivers. You know, uh, I also think that uh, Trent Brown had an outstanding season for the Patriots, but at the same time, uh, there was a reason the 49ers kind of traded him for nothing in the first place, and there's also a reason that the Patriots let him go and didn't want to give him such a big contract offer. So I think that yeah. <laughs> um, you know that's also a fact and then it comes down to the fact that Carr was sacked 51 times last year so i think kind of all that combined you know you can't be super bullish on the raiders but at the same time uh the improvement in the weapons that Carr has i think will uh pull their offense pretty high yeah you gotta you'd also look at the trent brown signing trent brown's success is him is it more of him or more of the environment and having Dante Skarnacki as his coach the last year that gave that led to him scoring this contract. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I like sure. to add to that. Um, you know, obviously the the Patriots offense last year was really more about short passes and getting the ball out quick. So yeah. maybe in a in a different offense where the quarterback has a drop back five, six more seconds. Uh, could be he could be a liability. You never know. Yeah, he, yeah, very, very good point. Exactly, and he's and he's a really bigger tackle, so you don't know if he has that kind of agility to be able to block right. for uh, you know multiple a longer uh, period of time. So I, I want to kind of uh, hear your guys's kind of early prediction for uh, where the Raiders' offense will finish in points per game. Uh, like, give me like a number, like a, a range. Uh, of of kind of where you guys think they'll finish uh, compared to the rest of the NFL. So Vic, where's what's your range? Um, I'll err on the optimistic side and say mid to high twenties. Wow, mid to high twenties. So as in uh, like okay. make, 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 that, make, make that make that like 25, 25, 24 to twenty five points a game. Is oh well, okay, so. sure, sure. Then I didn't mean the number of points per game. I meant um the rank. In the NFL, so like last year they're twenty eight. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, somewhere between like twelve and fifteen, like you said. I, I think that's I think that's a fair, fair spot to put them. Sure, Abhijay. What about you? Do you need to break the top ten? I don't know if they break the top ten, but I definitely see them above fifteen at least. Because I mean, last year they had a pretty abysmal, like offensive, like points per game. They were eighteen point one, and that was that was not that far off from like the bills. So, I mean, I, I definitely see like with the new offensive weapons that Carr has around him. And honestly, like if you look at the past, uh, the last uh, seven or so games, Carr actually played pretty well. Like he was uh, keeping the ball protected. Wasn't turning it over. He wasn't overly che- checking down. He was getting the ball out. So, you know, I mean, I, I do think they should have a, a much better offensive season, especially going into year two. Because last year is, you know, it's a new offense. There's turmoil in, in like Raiders management about Cleo Max. There's a lot of distractions. This year they come into the season with a more clear head and, you know, a lot of draft picks that we have yet to see pan out. But, you know, I'd, I'd say if I had to give a prediction, I'd probably say 13. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I think we all are in agreement they're going to be in that kind of 10 to 15 range. Uh, really fast, I want to hear your thoughts on the LaMarcus Joyner signing. Uh, it, it, he is only like a 5'8 safety. Um, it came out that he's going to be playing a lot of like versatile kind of coverages. Like he's going to be kind of sometimes in the box, sometimes in the free safety role, sometimes in the nickel. But, uh, you know, 16, uh, $17 million guaranteed, four years, $42 million in the contract. That's kind of expensive for a shorter uh, DB. <laughs> so what do you guys think about that? It's a little controversial. He had a great... Uh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Go for Sorry. it, man. Go, no, let's go for it. Okay, sure. Uh, he did have... Well, t- 2017, 
like he had his breakout season and he was like one of the top uh like rated players in uh in defense right so but 20 like 2018 saw him kind of drop down to like the 28th uh highest safety according to pro football focus so you know they're they're kind of banking on him returning to that that uh, the breakout level performance so and his catch rate allowed was pretty pretty bad to be honest 69.6% but but honestly like compared to what they have right now they yeah. it's a much it's it's like an upgrade to say the least so. yeah but i think signing almost anyone would be an upgrade but fair, fair enough yeah vic do you have any thoughts on uh, joiner yeah i agree i think he's kind of writing off the season he had a couple of years ago but i think uh you know he'll provide stability if, if nothing else i don't know if i can name another member of that secondary besides carl joseph it'd be still even on that team um so it'll be yeah uh he's a pretty good tackler and makes good plays in the open field so if they position him in a way that highlights his strengths we'll see he had kind of a kind of a on and off year coverage wise so if he's able to able to tighten that up and maintain his tackling play then i think he could be a good fit at least you know better than what they have right now yeah yeah what's the note one thing to note the Rams secondary this year is actually pretty poor like if you look at if you look at their stats overall like yeah i know there were there were a lot of uh blowout games but man they gave up a lot of big plays yeah. on the field so and joiner is responsible for some of that mm-hmm. yeah definitely the rams were kind of underachieving defense for most of the year last year until the playoffs um that's important to note for sure so the second big trade that went down was the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. And this one, you know, everyone knew Antonio Brown was getting traded somewhere, just a matter of when. But this trade kind of came out of left field because the Giants had almost just signed him to a contract extension. So yeah. the details of the trade are the Giants get a first this year, a third-round pick this year, and get Jabril Peppers from the Browns. The Browns get Odell Beckham in return. And uh, the Giants will have to eat $21 million in dead cap charges over the next two years uh, because of the Odell Beckham contract. And, yeah, I mean, I, you kind of look at this surface value and you think, the Giants, what are they doing? Um, did, did you guys have any different reaction, or do you guys agree? No, I agree. I, I I really don't know what David Gettleman's plan is for this team. Like, their offensive line is still poor. Their only offensive threat really is Saquon Barkley. Well, now they have Golden Tate, but really, Golden Tate didn't really do much for the Eagles when he was traded midseason. So, you don't really know what to expect. Eli is still, I mean, he's great, great playoff quarterback, but he really in the regular season past few years, he's he's really not been able to get the ball downfield and defenses are able to key in on the run game so i don't really know i mean you let len collins go uh, i don't know i just don't like the overall outlook for that team at all yeah i'd say uh if saquon barkley is gonna have a very frustrating year next year i'm calling it right now oh, yeah. and if you have saquon in fantasy i i feel bad for you next year because it's not gonna be very you're just gonna see stacked boxes the whole season yeah <laughs> it's, it's gonna be david johnson from this year all over again every game yeah I just think it's the Giants have put themselves in a really, really bad position. Um, yeah. I think the only thing that could probably salvage it for them is to draft uh, a quarterback this year and have him actually play well as a rookie because that's kind of the only way that there's some hope. But anyways, I, how about let's stop being negative and let's talk about the Brown side of this. Um, it's, it's incredible for them, isn't it? What do you guys think? Yeah, I love it. I'm super excited to see this team play next year. This the pairing of Beckham and Landry should be awesome on offense. They have just so much firepower surrounding Mayfield. And that defense looks pretty good, man. They got Vernon to pair with Garrett. Their D-line looks pretty solid overall. Um, is Christian Kirksey still a linebacker for the Browns? He is, right? Yeah, I believe he's still yeah, playing yeah, for yeah. the Browns, yeah. Yeah, cool. And I mean, I don't know. They played decently well down the stretch last year, especially in the second half of the season. And I think if they can get these guys meshed into the chemistry of the team and, you know, build upon what they had last year. I think they'll be a force we reckon with. I could even see them winning the AFC North if they really put it together. Yeah. I think they're favorites for the AFC North right now. Abhijay, how about, what's yeah. your thoughts on this trade, dude? Oh man. Like 
the fact that they're able to pair Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham back together is that's got to be salivating for Baker Mayfield. I mean, you got Kareem Hunt in the backfield now. You got uh, Nick Chubb. You got a pretty good O line, like especially uh, guard Joel Batonio, one of the best guards in the league. So it's like, and then you got a defense with Miles Garrett, and uh, I I don't know what to say. Like that, this team has really put themselves in like a great position to win the ASC North. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like the the Ravens have lost pieces on the defense, lost four starters in, in free agency. Uh, the Steelers, I mean, obviously pure tor- turmoil between Le'Veon and the AB situations and apparently Jesse James calling the, the Steelers locker room toxic and obviously the Bengals are the Bengals. We don't really need to go there. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I hate to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Browns look like the team to beat in the AFC North right now. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, that looks great for them. And we'll talk a little more about them later. But uh, just to note, you know, the Odell Beckham trade isn't the first trade that the Browns made with the Giants this offseason. Um, they, earlier they traded uh, their guard, Kevin Zeitler, and a fourth-round pick this year for Olivier Vernon and a fifth-round pick this year. Um, so they kind of just moved down around and then traded Zeitler for Vernon. To be honest, um, I don't know if they needed more pass rush on defense. I guess you can never have too much of a pass rush. But Zeitler was really kind of one of the key cogs in a really good offensive line. And I think that um, they didn't need to trade him because they have all the cap space in the world. Uh, Even with the Odell Beckham trade, they could have kept Zeitler. So I think that is kind of... um, That's kind of something that makes me a little iffy. Um, just Just that one trade is a little questionable. Of course, like, you know, when you get Odell Beckham, you can't question much, but... I think the Zeitler trade made me just pause a little bit, and I, I wondered if they're really doing the right thing in that situation. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I also agree that it was kind of a questionable move. I think the consistency of an offensive line is crucial to any successful team, especially that with a young quarterback like Mayfield. So, I don't know. Vernon turns out to be a great, great move this season. Maybe it was worth it, but I, I think I really agree that maintaining consistency of the offensive line is is crucial and shouldn't be disrupted if it's that there's no, no real reason to yeah they did resign greg robinson on a one-year deal but we'll get we'll get into the browns a little bit more later um so the next thing i kind of wanted to touch on was uh i wanted to get to who we think are some winners and losers uh from this free agency period so we'll start with abijai uh because i think your winner is actually a loser so go ahead and uh, talk about him <laughs> really okay uh, I'm free, feel free to debate uh, so for me the, w- the winner I selected was Nick Foles so the reason why I think he's a winner in free agency is because one he got a big contract with a lot of guaranteed money which is what any quarterback wants or any player in the NFL wants you want guaranteed money that's all you care about you don't care about the the added bonus like the the potential earnings you want what's but signed to you immediately. Second, he finally gets a shot to actually start for a team as compared to Philly, where it's in and out. Like there is question, like, should we start him or should we start uh, Carson Wentz? Like there's always that question mark. Like now that there's no question mark, he's the undisputed starter. And, you know, we, who knows? Like I personally, I don't, I don't know if he'll, he'll make, as big of an impact as he did for the okay obviously not he's not gonna win the super bowl for them but i mean could he guide this team to the playoffs sure if the defense is up to the task and uh they get enough weapons around him sure why not yeah so i mean my rebuttal to that abijay is first of all um he he was a starter before uh, is it the st louis rams under jeff fisher and and that and he talked about that saying you know i don't that after playing like that after playing so badly on that Rams team, I questioned whether I even wanted to play football anymore. And this Jaguars team on offense is literally just as bad as that Rams team was. Really not good at all. It's really not good. They've got no <laughs> weapons to pair with Nick Foles. Um, their best receiver is arguably D.D. Westbrook or Marquise Lee, who's coming off a torn ACL. Um, their best running back, because T.J. Yeldon's a free agent, so their best running back... Uh, is Leonard Fournette, who's, uh, you know, he's a good player, but uh, there's only so much running backs can do for your offense. 
So I, I don't really see how he's going to even help the Jaguars because I think if so, Nick Foles kind of was a product of the Eagles system. Uh, yes, uh, he, he has John DeFilippo, which was his old quarterbacks coach, as the offensive coordinator of the Jaguars. But right now, I think the Jaguars have the personnel for a power running game. But Nick Foles has played better in a spread going back to his days in college. So I think overall, um, while he does get a contract, and I guess the money and stuff makes him a winner, He's talked about so much how the money doesn't matter for him. And so I think he's really a loser because he's kind of going back to the situation that uh, made him kind of fall out of love with football in the first place. So I I don't really understand why he even left the Eagles, to be honest. Um, And I think it really just gets worse for him playing for the Jaguars. Uh, What what would you say about that, Abhijay? Well, I mean, he definitely should have left the Eagles. If if another team is offering you that much money, you take it. Like, I like, yeah, the Eagles situation is obviously ideal for him because it's always worked for him in that, that set offense. Okay, but, but, but put aside the money. Like, don't, like, obviously, like, everyone's a winner if they sign a free agent contract because of the money. But I'm talking about in terms of the situation and his opportunity for success. I think both of well, that went down a lot by signing with the Jaguars. Well, yeah, true. But you also can't forget that this Jaguars team is still pretty good defense on the other side of the ball. So, I mean, yes, obviously, offensively, they're going to be challenged. Like they they don't have a great O line. They have a great they have a great running back, but the receivers are questionable. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but at the end of the day, like, what do these players play for? It's money. Like, you could, they can say what they want, but at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like, if, if that was the case, then he would have never signed to begin with. Correct. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm actually wondering why he signed, given what he said about the Jeff Fisher uh, experience and, for the Rams. And to be but, fair, Doug Marone is not Jeff Fisher, and Tom Coughlin is not <laughs> Yeah. Whenever yeah, I think true. about the Jaguars, I got to dissociate the the image the Jaguars we always have, but the fact that they have Tom Coughlin running things at the helm. So gives me some faith that they have an idea of where they're going, but given the current makeup of the roster on offense, it's hard to believe they'll be a real contender this year i don't know we'll no, see it's, it's really that's hard why to say. i said nick Foles is the winner not not the no Jaguars. yeah yeah totally. no of course yeah, yeah. yeah i think no one no one is gonna um, anticipate the jaguars offense being very high at all this year so not at all. that's fair uh you know nick Foles. i guess he's kind of a winner and a loser at the same time uh so i guess i'll talk about my winner which is uh Nick Foles' former team, actually, the Philadelphia Eagles. So the reason they're a winner for me is, uh, first of all, I love the Deshaun Jackson trade for them because if you look at Carson Wentz's numbers, what he does well is throw the ball deep. And Deshaun Jackson, that's where he succeeds is going deep. So I think, first of all, you're giving Carson Wentz a guy that can stretch the field. And and if you look overall at the weapons Carson Wentz has now, you have Nelson Aguilar in the slot, where that's where he's at his best. Uh, last year, he was pigeonholed a little bit to playing outside and playing that deep threat role. Doesn't have to do that anymore uh, because Deshaun Jackson is there. You have Alshon Jeffrey, who's kind of a contested catch guy, um, who also, you know, last year was hurt because there's no guy that really stretched the field after Mike Wallace got hurt. So there's Alshon Jeffrey, and then you have Zach Ertz, who's you know arguably like the first or second best receiving tight end in the league. So right there, you have a bunch of weapons. Um, combine that with the great scheme that Doug Peterson has. And, you know, I think Carson Wentz really is set up for success next year. And I think that really helps the Eagles a lot on offense. And then uh, if you're talking about their defensive moves, they trade Michael Bennett to the Patriots. Um, you know, that, that's okay because they re-signed Brandon Graham and they re-signed Malik Jackson. So right now, if you look at their defensive line, they have Brandon Graham, they have Malik Jackson, they have Fletcher Cox. And then they also have uh, Derek Barnett, who's, uh, Damn, who's a young guy from Tennessee that's flashed a lot. So I think that's a really good kind of building block on the D-line. Uh, great if Chris Long comes back as well. And I think the Eagles are really set up to win the NFC East next year, for sure. What do you guys yeah. think about the Eagles? You, you guys I agree 100% that's agree. That's, that's a really good wave. You laid it out perfectly there, man. That's Yeah, I forgot about uh, Derek Barnett, and I forgot about they're signing Malik Jackson. That's those are just having Malik Jackson is huge on the D line, and obviously, good point. You know, Aguilar being able to play his true position at slot receiver. Jackson, I like that trade too. That's huge for that offense. So yeah, it should be exciting. Hopefully, Wentz can 
get back to his get back in his groove and get into playoffs again. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Vic, we'll get to your winner, who's another young quarterback. Uh, take away, take it away. <laughs> yeah, uh, we spoke, we touched upon this a little earlier. I think, yeah, Baker Mayfield set up for huge success in the next, you know, foreseeable future. With we talked about the trade for Beckham pairing him with Landry, the fact that he, the fact that Mayfield already has established, uh, he also has established chemistry with David, David Joku as his tight end. And I don't know, I just really like the moves that John Dorsey has been making. He's been aggressive and very, uh, very aggressive and just intentional about what he wants his team to look like. And he is shaping it the way he wants and doing it to benefit Baker Mayfield, who I think has to be excited for what the season will what the season will will look like and i think he'll break out this year i hope so yeah totally um you know i i, I kind of want to uh, similar to we made a prediction on where the raiders will finish ranked on offense next year what do you guys think about the browns i think the browns are a team where you know you expect everything to go great i think the browns might be the team that people might overreact the most on <laughs> I know. But, um, I, I, that's I, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Before giving away my uh, where I would rank them offensively, I kind of want to hear what you guys think. So Abijaya, you've been a little quiet lately, man. So what's your ranking on the Browns next year on offense? For me, I mean, I look at the fact that Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator, got promoted from within the organization, and the fact that another year in the system for Baker Mayfield, you add a bunch of weapons. I mean, you've got a great tight end. You've got too like you've got a stud on the inside with with uh jarvis landry now you've got odell beckham on the outside callaway joku sorry oh yeah antonio callaway Callaway. i forgot about him yeah callaway i mean you got nick chubb and kareem hunt in the backfield yeah and duke johnson's still there unless they trade or do something with him before the season starts i think they're gonna end up keeping duke johnson because of the dimension that he gives them yeah, I totally hope they do because he's a good player. Yeah, all, given all that, Abhijay, where, where would you say they're going to be ranked on offense at the end of the year? To, like, I know it's, I know he's, a, he's still a young quarterback, so it's not a guarantee that he's going to click right away. But I think you, I think he has to be. That offense has to be in the top ten. Like, I'd say number nine, just based on pure talent. Sure. How about you, Vic? Where would you say they finish? I have to agree, top ten, but between like five and ten. Sure, somewhere uh, in that range. I'm a little lower on them. Uh, I think the Raiders will finish more towards 15 than 10. I think the Browns finish more towards 10, 10 than 15. So I'd say around 11. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's maybe fair. they break right above 10 at 9. But yeah, I think they'll be just around there. Um, I do have a little bit of concern of Freddie Kitchens being like, he, like if you look at kind of his coaching history, uh, he's made the jump to head coach pretty quickly. Um, yes, he'll be calling plays, but I mean, even then, like he hasn't been an offensive coordinator for that long. Uh, and at the same time, it's it's tough sometimes, you know, when you have a player like Odell Beckham who demands the ball. Uh, Jarvis Landry is another player that you know he doesn't demand the ball. He's he's a lot less outspoken than Odell Beckham, in my opinion. But at the same time, it's hard to keep everyone fed and happy. And then you got to stick with the run game as well, because you know you had one of the more productive run games with Nick Chubb when he came in. So it'll be interesting to see how they work it all out. Um, I definitely see them being around top 10 offense. So, so uh, you know, we'll get to the losers that uh, all you guys have. So, Abhijay, do you want to take it away with your loser? Sure. So my loser in free agency is the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, talk about bungling all of your – like two of your best offensive weapons you've had in probably the past six years, even more than that. I mean, you let Le'Veon Bell I – mean, because you try to have your cake and eat it with this contract, you wouldn't give him a long-term deal or trade him or heck even release him. So you, you just had a guy sitting on the sidelines disgruntled and like, and you just kept franchise tagged franchise tagging him again and again. Like, like when you really think about it, that was pretty messed up because like for a running back, especially a running back like him, who they gave a lot of touches to like, then the running back position is very, it's very, very hard to to last in the NFL, and the fact that they refused to give him a fair contract was pretty messed up. And I'm sure it was taken note by Antonio Brown and a lot of other players in that locker room. And second, like the AB fiasco, um, completely bungling uh, talks with him, 
about to trade him to the Bills and then rescinding that offer and then going and then basically selling him for for pennies on the dollar to the Raiders. Like I, and then you let Jesse James go. I mean, he's not that big of a loss, but you know, that's another depth hit. Like I, I just don't see how they're going to be be able to rebound from this and still try to make the playoffs, especially in the ever competitive AFC North now, like where you got young up and coming quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. The outlook is not good. And uh, they definitely came off losers in both exchanges with, with Bell and AB. And now they're just left with Juju Schuster and Ryan. Uh, uh, I forgot, forgot the running back. James Conner. Uh, James yeah. Conner. Yeah. So, and I don't know. It's a net loss for them on offense and really for the whole team. Yeah, I mean, you say they're a loser, but I don't think there's much they could have done to avoid the situation. Uh, they're definitely justified to not pay Le'Veon Bell because yeah, I literally agree. James Conner and Jalen Samuels step in and get, give you basically the same production that Bell gave you. So it's not a big loss. Well, and fair, I honestly but, think but he's not worth Conner the money. Did not give, I was going to say, James Conner did not give the Pittsburgh Steelers the, the uh, receiving dimension that Le'Veon Bell gave them. Uh, I think his receiving numbers were very similar to Bell's. I, I will think yeah, the numbers definitely were similar. Um, but I think like his numbers in 14 games to Bell's usual 16 game pace was very very similar. Um, and I mean you can even throw Jalen Samuels in there because Jalen Samuels uh, his numbers were very similar to Le'Veon Bell's too. If you extrapolate that uh, two or three game yeah. sample size that uh, Connor was out, if you extrapolate that to a 16 game season. His receiving numbers are close to Bell's. Not his rushing numbers, but his receiving numbers are close to Bell's. So it, it kind of goes to show the Steelers were justified in what they did with on Bell. If Bell doesn't like it, he should maybe play a different position. I don't know what to tell him. Um, <laughs> and now he's going to the Jets, and I think the Jets will find out, the hard, and Bell are going to find out the hard way um, that it, the Steelers were in a great situation. Um, and then you get to Antonio Brown. I mean, what, what could they have done about Antonio Brown? Like, I guess he doesn't like Ben Roethlisberger, but when it comes to a receiver and a quarterback, you're going to pick the quarterback every time because he's more important well, to the team. That's true, but Big Ben is coming to the end of his career. Let's not beat around the bush here. This guy's not. He's not making the same decisions. He, he's not. He's his decision making has fallen off quite a bit. Let's just put it that way. Well, and statistically, last year was actually they, his best season. I was going to say like. I don't, I don't, I don't blame them for picking for, for picking Ben for. I don't blame them for trading Brown whatsoever because they had to just get him out of the locker room after all that's transpired the last few months. But I, I just think they should have gotten a better draft pick from from the trade. They should have absolutely gotten more. They completely blew that. Yeah, I mean the reason they didn't get more though is because of Antonio Brown, right? He's like saying, "Oh, I'm yeah. not going to the Bills." He's publicly yeah. demanding trades. Like when that yeah. kind of stuff happens, you lose leverage. No, uh, of course. You know, so but it becomes I think that was very hard. Maybe part. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if, if you uh, look at his stats, I, this year um, it was the highest in yards he's ever thrown uh, in a season. I mean, yes, uh, he, he's been injured in previous seasons, so that you, you have to take that into account. Um, it was one of his higher seasons in terms of completion percentage. Uh, he did throw a lot of interceptions this season, but. 16 interceptions. Um, 16 interceptions, but he also threw a lot of touchdowns. He threw 34 touchdowns. So, I don't know. I think overall, the Ben had a very good year last year. And, uh, you know, quarterbacks usually do play until they're older. Um, and while Ben might be uh, falling off, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I think his longevity won't be as, as much as other quarterbacks of the beating he takes. Antonio Brown is also turning 31, I believe. So, we'll see how he's doing when he's uh, 34 as well. So, I think... Um, you know, when, when it's well, all said and done, it's 37 right now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, Ben is 37. Antonio Brown is 31, I believe. Right. It's, yeah. 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 So, I mean, when it's all said and done, I think that, uh, the Steelers couldn't have done much to avoid the situation they're in. Like they're definitely a loser because of what happened, but I don't think they should be like, they shouldn't be completely absolved of the blame, but they shouldn't be given all the blame. Do you think that's fair, Vic? I hundred percent. Yeah, I I agree. I I just think they were just they're just in a tough situation in a lot of ways, and that they were gonna incur some losses this offseason no matter what. It's up to them in terms of recouping the draft and free agency and hoping things kind of work out better. Yeah, for sure, exactly. Uh, so my loser, I'll make it kind of quick, is a uh, Don Martindale. That's a Ravens defensive coordinator. 
And the reason is he literally lost like almost his entire linebacking core. He lost three of four starters at linebacker. Um, he lost C.J. Mosley. He lost um, Zadarius Smith. And he also lost um, the other guys not coming to mind right now. But uh, maybe you guys can help me out. Uh, anyways, that all being said, yeah, sorry. So he lost Terrell Suggs as well. Uh, that's what I meant to oh, say. Oh, no, yeah. So Suggs. that's three of his uh, four starting linebackers in the 3-4 defense. Uh, that's tough because the linebackers are your main communicators. Uh, Mosley is the guy who has the headset in, obviously. Um, you know, obviously a lot of that's offset by getting Earl Thomas. But uh, Thomas is an older player. Um, you know, while I do think he'll be really good for the Ravens, at the same time, um, you know, I think uh, just losing a lot of pieces from your defense, it's really tough on your coaches. Because although Martindale is a great coach, uh, it's hard to keep re- retooling the defense every year and expecting success. Um, you know, so, so I definitely think, uh, especially with the offense, I think this year the offense will experience a huge lack of production. Um, similar, yeah. to, <laughs> similar to how uh, the rest of the NFL caught up to RG3, I think Lamar Jackson is going to this year show that he really isn't that good of a quarterback. And I think the the defensive, like, or the, the pressure that the Ravens offense is going to put on their defense, especially with all those losses, is kind of going to put Martindale in a tough position. And I think especially because the Ravens didn't sign anyone of note on offense, like Mark Ingram does not count as a good signing. Um, you're replacing <laughs> Gus Edwards with an older Gus Edwards. I, I don't understand yeah. what kind of, dynamic that brings to your team uh, i think it's a huge just it's it's tough on the ravens defensive coordinator this year i think yeah so we can yeah. uh, jump to your loser vic unless anyone yeah, has I'm... any comments on the ravens uh, abijay did you want to say anything well i i, I want to disagree with with the lamar jackson uh uh characterization i do think he's going to be a good quarterback as long as they they allow him to grow within the scheme Obviously, the only problem is that they, the the Ravens really re- lack they really lack receiving weapons right now. So that's going to be an issue for his development. But, um, I mean, we can't forget like yes, he ran the ball a lot. Like, well, him and Josh Allen really they ran the ball like at, at a unsustainable rate. But I mean, this guy ran a pro style offense in college, so I don't have any. I don't see him having any issues picking up like a an NFL offense. Yeah, just I mean, my personal opinion. for me, it's not really issues of picking up the offense. I just think uh, Lamar Jackson, the, the issue with Lamar Jackson is that he's not a good thrower, and he put it on film that he's not a good thrower. Uh, Josh Allen isn't very accurate, I'll give you that, but the dude can throw the ball. Like He at least has the um, arm ability. Lamar Jackson has neither the arm ability nor the accuracy. Well, Lamar Jackson has a decent arm. Like it's not. He was throwing the ball sidearm and missing with so many wobblers. His, his, his mechanics are are uh, unique, but I mean, he does have an arm. Like it's not like he has a weak arm. It's not the greatest arm. I mean, we can discuss that later. But yeah, I mean, you know, th- we can obviously have that conversation later. But I think, yeah, I guess we just fundamentally disagree on Lamar Jackson. That's okay. A, lo- a lot of people do. Yeah, we can't agree on everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Vic, do you want to get to your loser, man? Yeah, my loser, which I guess has been a loser for a little while now, is well, actually they had a decent season, but the Redskins are my loser. Um, yeah, I think the Case Keenum trade was kind of strange. I don't know exactly what he provides them. I mean, they need a stopgap option. So yeah, but I thought, but Jay Gruden voiced a good amount of faith in Col McCoy, who I don't know he's necessarily that much worse than Case Keenum, given the way Keenum played with Denver this past year. So. I don't know. I, I think that they have to look to the draft and to start developing some talent in-house because they just keep bringing in free agents. But yeah, which on that note, free agency, I, um, Lanning Collins, I don't really... Yeah, he's a really great in-the-box safety who's you know made some great... who played great for the Giants in 2016, had a couple good seasons these past couple of years. But I, I just don't know if that's what he... if that's what they really need on their team i i guess he'll provide stability in the center of the field for their defense but i don't know i think they just paid a lot more money than they necessarily had to for a player of that caliber at that position specifically yeah that's Where, fair. um you yeah. know i also think that in the box safeties they don't have much value uh, in 
in today's NFL anymore unless you're like a really, really top-end guy. And I think the Redskins paid Landon Collins to be a top-end guy, but yeah. he hasn't been a top-end guy in, in, in two years. So, you yeah. know, I think at this point for him it's more hype than actual production. But, you know, maybe a lot of that stemmed from the Giants' kind of internal issues. So we'll see if he can turn it around on the Redskins. Uh, right. Your thoughts, Abhijay? Well, there's no question that Landon Collins is an upgrade for the secondary, but overall the the Redskins, they really have no identity on offense. I mean, they, I don't think they have a they have team question. identity. <laughs> I think they're... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if um, I see any... Yeah. Like, they have... They have huge questions question marks at quarterback like uh, the owner is terrible the field is terrible the field <laughs> conditions are always terrible yeah it's actually interesting know. the redskins field i think is the neck after the raiders field being the worst then it's the redskins but now when the raiders move to vegas the redskins field is going to be the worst in the nfl I yeah, fedex field is pretty bad yeah yeah it's always torn up but yeah, I mean, exactly. We're talking about the Redskins field and not their players. I think that says all you need to know about the team. Right, yeah. It's just a sad organization at the moment. Yeah, so I kind of want to jump into some uh, some other signings you guys thought were notable. Uh, so, Abhijay, uh, you kind of want to talk about the Seahawks a little bit. They've been flying under the radar. So, go ahead, man. Sure. So, Seattle is not really known for huge free agent splashes. But um, they d- did do a lot of, uh, you know roster management we signed jason myers so that Kicker. means that means yeah. uh probably the end of uh janikowski uh for for the seahawks uh put a second round tenor in george fant so that's that's a good thing because he usually he's our uh, extra offensive lineman and and run heavy formations and he also sometimes acts as a tight end uh we re-signed dj fluker which is a nice nice signing uh, for a run game, uh, got KJ Wright and Michael Kendricks back. Uh, signed Mike it's... Ayupati, which is a low uh, low risk, high high reward signing. Uh, we also lost Jr. Sweezy, Earl Thomas, and Justin Coleman, which, which on paper doesn't really sound that great, but Earl Thomas is going no matter what, and Justin Coleman, we were not going to match the offer sheet that the Lions put out for him, so. Did he, even overall, play, did, did he even play well last year, Justin Coleman? Of course. He, he, yeah, was, he was actually one pretty of the good. Best, uh, he was one of the oh, better yeah, okay. slot oh, corners. Oh, yeah. He was one of the oh, best. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember, we traded him. We got, yeah, we traded for him from the Patriots for a seventh round pick a few years ago. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. We, he played, uh, he outplayed that, uh, his contract. So we didn't resign him, which is fine. I mean, Seattle is pretty good at uh what's it called developing corners in-house so yeah I mean, overall sure. it's a low-key off season i mean not off season oh low-key free agency period but we usually do our work in the in the draft anyways yeah i mean i think the the only team more low-key than the seahawks in this free agency period has been the patriots yeah um, <laughs> the patriots have been stacking the 2020 compensatory picks and haven't really signed anyone of note yeah, uh, Vic. So you want? I want to get to which signings you thought were important, and I think it's. Uh, I, I like the theme of what you're going for. So go ahead and spit it out. Yeah, I liked the you know the two most frowned. I guess well, not. I mean, well, entire AFC East uh, other than the Patriots are always frowned upon. But I like the moves the Jets and Bills made for their respective young quarterbacks. I think. Uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen should both, you know, have a little more stability and consistency around them this this upcoming season. First for the Jets, I like the signing of Jameson Crowder. I think he'll really help provide an easy yardage, critical critical situation type option for Darnold. And obviously, you know, having Bell as your running back is a huge upgrade over what Bilal Powell they had last year. So that's... Hey, don't forget about Isaiah Crowell, bro. And Isaiah Crowell, who... Hasn't been relevant in quite a while, but um, so yeah, I think the Jets made some good moves, just helped Darnold out, and obviously the you know mostly pickup on defense should help the linebacking core. As for the Bills, I like the John Brown pick. He's a deep threat, speedy guy who should serve well given Josh Allen's proclivity for you know tossing the ball down the fields. And when your only other, only only other other real receiver in 
Buffalo is Zay Jones that, you know, it's nice to have John Brown there and Cole Beasley to provide that slot option again, an easy yardage high situation type guy to have for Josh Allen. So it'll be, I think, you know, their progression in this off season and upcoming season or two should be really highlighted by the talent they have around them now. Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't think that either of the teams did enough for the quarterbacks. Um, I, I think really it starts with the offensive line. I know the Bills made a few offensive line signings, but uh, the Jets only yeah. traded for a clutchy assembly. And, and I think for both the teams, it's really not enough. Um, you kind of look at what the Raiders did for Derek Carr or what the Browns yeah. did for Baker Mayfield, um, you know, getting two really high-end weapons. Uh, the Bills yeah. and Jets are kind of like medi- like s- staying in that mediocre range um, oh, in no, terms yeah. of like yeah. helping, their, helping I, the quarterbacks yeah. out. That's what I thought. But yeah, um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit about the, about the 49ers. Um, you know, some people have been killing the 49ers saying, oh, they had a horrible free agency. They overpaid Quan Alexander, they overpaid D Ford. Um, uh, what are they doing signing Jason Verrett? Uh, I think that the Niners have actually had a pretty decent offseason. Uh, Quan Alexander was a little bit of an overpay. But at yeah. the same time, I'm sure it's uh, kind of front-loaded. They'll be able to get out of it. Uh, I think that the linebackers that can both cover and uh, stop the run are kind of uh, are rare, and so you have to pay them a little bit more. Uh, Quan Alexander's like average value of the contract is only like one or two million more than the going rate, and uh, he was the highest paid linebacker before CJ Mosley got signed. Uh, as far as the D four deal, it's a little perplexing because the Chiefs traded him. He doesn't fit in that four three scheme that they got with Steve Spagnolo, but the 49ers also run a 4-3. Yeah, they run the same scheme. <laughs> so it's a little questionable why they got him. Um, I think kind of the, the way they want to use him is somebody who's going to play like off the line as a linebacker uh, for every yeah. down that's not a pass rushing down, and then they're going to get him down there as a pass rusher on obvious passing situations. Um, I think only time will tell. Personally, I think D Ford is very talented. Uh, even though if he was a little inconsistent with the Chiefs, I think he is someone who is really raw coming out of college. And I think just now is where he's hitting his prime. And I think the Niners will really benefit from getting him. And then uh, they got Tevin Coleman for nothing. Two years, $10 million. They may cut Jerick McKinnon, but even if they keep him, I think uh, Kyle Shanahan's system makes running backs look great. And when you have somebody of Tevin Coleman's ability, um, yeah. combined with Jerick McKinnon and Matt Breida all together, I think it just gives the Niners a lot of depth for not a lot of money and they're kind of guaranteed production from the running backs this year. I think the Niners offense is going to be great. Um, especially with the D Ford, Quan Alexander and this really bargain build bargain bin deal for Jason Verrett. I think the Niners did what they could to improve their defense as well. Uh, especially cause they missed out on uh, some of the top DBs in this class. So I think, you know, the Niners did what they can. I think they will be a better team for it. Even though a lot of people are thinking that they overpaid for the players. Yeah, I like that. I like the Coleman and Verrett signings personally. I think Verrett is as long as he can stay healthy, he'll be good for that defense. And I'm excited to see what Tevin Coleman does in that offense. Yeah, I, I think he's. I, much, agree. I, th- I think he's much better than McKinnon. Yeah, what do you think, Abhijay? Yeah, yeah um, I was gonna say I definitely feel like the the Niners gave up a lot for D Ford. Like he gave up a second round pick as well as a a pretty large extension. So, I mean. I mean, he fills a need for the 49ers, which is um, a pass rush, like getting a pass rusher. But uh, you pit a, I, I'm not really a fan of paying like the the market value for a player in free agency because there's just no value in that. But that's just my opinion. Um, I really like the uh, the Tevin Coleman signing. That was a great one. Uh, versatile, like he can run the ball. He can he's a great uh, pass catcher at the backfield. Uh, Jason Verrett, you know, obviously there's a reason why he's cheap. He's played like three games in three, like two seasons or something like that. Pretty, yeah. pretty unreliable, but you know, it's a low risk, high reward signing. So, sure. you know, it's overall like pretty decent. Like I definitely feel like they overpaid or like they gave up too much for D Ford, but it was kind of something they had to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think that's fair. Maybe they'll be overpays, but at the same time, they're doing what they can to make the football team better in positions that they need to get better at. So you can also commend that. So I just want to jump into some rapid fire. So give me kind of each one of you, give me one word 
that would describe the uh, the following moves. So, uh, first move, uh, the Ravens signing Earl Thomas. One word, Abhijay. Uh, just one word, right? One word. Just your feeling when you, when you hear about that move. Solid. Vic? Yeah, I'd go with stability. Stability, sure. The Chiefs signed Tyron Matthew and cut Eric Berry. Abhijay? Smart. Vic? Uh, youth. Yeah, fair. Uh, I'd say Matthew you know, does have a few injuries, so I don't know how youthful he is anymore, but fair enough, fair yeah. enough. And uh, the Trey Flowers signing by the Lions, uh, huge deal, $17 million a year. Abhijay? Mm, overpaid. Vic? System. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is going to be more than one word, but I 100% agree on Trey Flowers. I think he's a guy that the whole NFL passed on for three rounds before the Patriots signed him. Uh, he, he hasn't ever had huge production from his position, and now he's getting paid like he's a top-tier defensive end um, or top-tier pass rusher, and I think a Patriots system and a bit of an overpay. So I agree with what you guys said on that. Cool. So uh, thanks for joining us today, guys. Appreciate you joining the podcast. And I hope, you, listeners, you enjoyed uh, us talking about NFL free agency. So once again, uh, just letting you guys know, you can find us on Instagram, at StreakForThePod. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love the feedback to help the podcast get better. And for our producer, Omkar Moge, I'm Ronak Modi. Thanks for listening. See you later, guys.